Good job, everybody. <laughs> we are, uh, this is episode 57. Um, I'm Meredith. We have Alex. This is video, so I don't know. Um, and then we have our friend and client and best buddy, Paige Semenza. So we're going to do, this is, I always find this the most awkward part of the podcast. When you're going on a podcast and they intro you, it's like, I don't know what to do. Do I like assume like a American gladiator kind of pose? So if that makes you feel better, go for it. <laughs> but all right. So Paige Semenza, how do we sum you up in like two minutes? Um, graduated from the Ohio State University. It's important to include the yes. Z. Is Why? it the? Why? It's, that's the name of the university. We are actually we take pride. Yeah, yeah. My diploma says the Ohio State University. We take pride <laughs> in that. Ben hates when I say it, but Ohio I, State University. Are there other Ohio State universities? There is um, Ohio University, but no, it's just State College. It's basically <laughs> Pennsylvania State College, but the Ohio State University. Yeah. I don't think there's any other ones in the U.S. that have I don't think be. so. Mm-mm. Yeah. I am a, I'm, I'm not a Ohio State fan, but I'm also not a Michigan fan. I'm, like, I have no opinion over that rivalry. Mm-hmm. Neutral. Did you have an opinion over Michigan and the Ohio State before well, you became a Buckeye? No. I, no, no I, d- I didn't really follow any kind of uh, rivalry teams except high school. And then not until it, like, became relevant to my life that I was, like, super competitive as far as a university goes. Yeah. But even even now, like, I'm not that, like, if if Ohio State lost, I'd be like, oh, rough. So sad. <laughs> sad. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you played hockey at Ohio State, so Division One hockey player. There aren't that many, uh, all like, women's Division One hockey teams Mm-mm. in the U.S., I think, so... You were there. Yeah. I think you probably played against Carolyn Prevo when she was at Wisconsin. Yep. Did you guys overlap? Uh, yeah, we did. I think she was a year older than me, so yeah. I played against. I played with her a couple years. Um, yeah. Do you guys? Did you ever beat that team? We've beat. We beat them once in my career. Yeah. Just kind of sad. Um, well, they, they were, were always good. so. They were they're like, so good. Yeah. Um, national championship team. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. she has, you know, she, it speaks for her, you know, too. So she's a great athlete. She was great in college too. She's okay. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah. But no, so, uh, Michigan doesn't have any women's hockey team. So like, that's why like the rivalry for me was never huge except for football and other sports. Um, yeah. but for us, like, pretty much Wisconsin, Minnesota, like those were our, you know, teams to play against. There's five teams in Minnesota that we played in our division. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. What position are there? Okay. I'm going to ask a really dumb question. What position are there positions? (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. What position did you play? I played, uh, typically I played left wing was my fullback. Obviously. Yeah. Backhand. Is that a, Fullback. Yeah. <laughs> Full, is that um, a position? That's also a football position. Fullback is just a football position. Now Mar- or, uh, Alex is really just effing with you. <laughs> She's being rude. Yeah. Which is amazing. I didn't think she knew anything about 
football, so that's actually impressive. You won, uh, you had a lot of accolades <laughs> when you were in honors when you were at Ohio State. The one that jumped out to me the most is you won the Big Ten Outstanding Sportsmanship Award, um, which you said is your most memorable and proudest achievement, which when I read that, I was like, of course she did. Like, there's not an award that screams Paige Semenza like a sportsmanship award. So yeah. why is that such a proud achievement for you? Um, so that one was voted on by the referees and by other, like, outside, um, I guess, officials and things like that. So it was uh, – I was proud because I was being noted – I was being recognized by j the league itself, essentially, um, and by others. And – to have a sportsmanship award and, you know, just have like a level of respect with the officials and, you know, other teams and things like that. It's just a, a big deal to me. Um, I was always competitive, but I never wanted to be a dick, you know? Yeah. So I think that's yeah, really important. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and then you were two time Ohio state scholar athlete. So obviously kind of a smarty pants a little bit. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I was in one of the most challenging degrees. Uh, I got a degree in my bachelor's in education and human ecology. Um, so essentially to be a teacher is what that yeah. degree was in. Um, but yeah, I worked hard. I, I yeah. have not always been, I would say the smartest tool, but I've had to work for my grades when I was in school. Yeah, I think that's admirable though. Yeah, thanks. I think a, a lot of athletes, even Division One high-level university athletes, kind of just mail it in on academics. So the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, you did put in work there in addition to yeah. um, on the ice is really cool. Um, so graduated in 2013, and then I think the next big thing that you did was USA Powerlifting Nationals, which I, I knew and I forgot about that. And so when yeah. I saw that, you had written that down. I was like, right, you do come from a powerlifting um, background. So that was 2015, and you – qualified through the Pennsylvania State Championships with a total of 7-11, which came from a 265-pound squat, 154-pound bench press, 292 deadlift. And I have to imagine that just saying those numbers to you right now, you're like, I was so weak. So that's kind pretty of. cool. Like, yeah. You know, you did the, the powerlifting thing and went to nationals, came um, – 18th and obviously like those the numbers at nationals were quite a bit higher but they don't look too far off from your numbers now um yeah. as a crossfit athlete so how do they compare um so let's see nationals i was right now i probably squat i wouldn't say this is my squat right now but my best squats 335 bench i have not tested that out but i've done i would say around 195 200 and deadlift, I'm about 30 pounds up from that as well. So that's impressive. Yeah, solid. I would say 30 pound increases on pretty much each lift. Yeah. Since 20, what's that? 2016, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot, I, of, um, a lot of time into that. Yeah, yeah, sure. And obviously training age and stuff. It's an impressive yeah. squat. I think the only thing I can do with 335 pounds is like roll it around on the ground. It's <laughs> <laughs> bigger than my deadlift. What's your deadlift, Alex? <laughs> Come on. I don't know. I mean, What's I've definitely all, lifted all more best? than yeah. over 300. But I had to take like five weeks off after that. <laughs> yeah. Just crippled a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, like my back was like, please, don't ever do that again. <laughs> Signed, Alex. 
Yeah, that's yeah, so that's impressive. And then regionals. So you you qualified for your first regionals in 2016. Yep. And that was in Mid Atlantic, and I didn't realize. I mean, it, like I knew it, but I I guess I didn't realize it. That was I was competing in Mid Atlantic that year too. Mm-hmm. Um, came yeah, 14th w- there. And what was your favorite event that year? Do you recall? Oh. Probably the heavy deadlift one. It was the running <laughs> GHDs and heavy deadlifts. It was like four yeah. rounds for time or something, and it, it was smoked two, me. The weight was 275. Yeah. And there yeah. were three rounds of seven. Yeah. Lifts, seven reps of that. Yeah. I'm like, and I was standing next to Meg Reardon, who is a friend yeah. of ours as well. Um, we were next to each other, and that was, like, keeping me going because I think that was her first year competing too. But, like, I – that was my first time ever being in that environment too. So like yeah. the intensity of just doing the first workout, like wrecked me. And then just the whole weekend of being at that intensity the whole time, like I was crushed. <laughs> Were you like, like my standard for so when people complain about being sore, I'm like, yeah, but were you 2016 regional sore? <laughs> it was bad. Like the yeah. waking up the next day from the GHDs because I never really had done them before. It, it was I was crippled. Like talk about yes. doing a lifetime best on a deadlift. That's probably what it felt like. Yeah, it was. Rough. I, I thought on day the morning of day three, I was like, I I'm gonna have to withdraw. Like <laughs> I was so sore. And it's what that's five years ago now, six years ago yeah. now, and the fact that yeah. you still vividly remember what it felt like. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. I vividly remember, remember the workout that had 104 wall balls into 52 pull-ups? Yeah. (laughs) I, like, couldn't bend my arms after that. Like, I tried to adjust my sports bra strap, and it, like, didn't reach because there was so much blood in my arm. But then you had to go do power feet. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So brutal. Um, It was was rough. Yeah. I thought that was a, a pretty fun year, though, overall. Me too. Um, was that your first so, year competing? Well, 2015, I competed. I qualified individual, but I competed on a team. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, 2016 was my first individual year. And I think I, I came ninth that year. We yeah. must have been in the same heats. Like, I'm, I don't know. Now I'm Probably mad, once or twice. Yeah. 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 I remember um, seeing you, but, like, I vividly just – I remember Meg Reardon so much because the way she qualified. Like, she crushed the last event. Yeah. And it got her in. It, it was just, you know, and then that was kind of when wags and weights started getting bigger. So yep. that's, yeah, that's pretty much what I remember, but I didn't try to make friends either. I was too terrified. <laughs> so your sportsmanship stopped at, no, at <laughs> hockey. <laughs> kind of. For them. It's built yeah. back up now. It's definitely built yeah. back up. I think we all went through phases of being assholes in CrossFit. <laughs> we'll try to find For the clip sure. of you yelling at your judge at, in 2016 regionals. Who? Page. Oh yeah, I yeah, was. Yeah. I was yelling at my judge. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was like, was wait, I was doing that. Eyebrow jokes. Good one, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you can just lay down on the couch if you want. <laughs> Honestly, though, um, like there are some parts of that year that I probably blacked out. So if it did oh. happen, it could have happened. Like I don't know. I'm I'm sorry if it did. Sorry. Yeah. Um, okay, so 2017, you switched regions and went team with Timberwolf CrossFit, and you guys actually you made the games and then came eighth, which is a pretty yeah. stellar finish. Um, yeah. How was that? Like that team was, experience versus individual. I mean, I grew up playing a team sport my whole life, so I 
I knew what to expect as far as being on a team. Um, but Kelly Wild was on the team at the time. Um, from She's from Minnesota. And her and I played ice hockey together in college. Nice. So, yeah, so that's kind of what connected us. And then she's like, hey, we need a third teammate for the female side. And how would you feel about moving out here for the year? And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Done. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's awesome. that was, yeah, that was the last year of team of six. And then that's right. when things started to change. So yeah. it was cool to experience it in its original format in a sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and Andrea Nissler, who was also a high level competitor still she's okay. in CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. She's all right. Um, we were on the same team as well. So yeah, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I definitely think it helped me become a better athlete knowing that I eventually wanted to go as an individual. So I think the experience and getting to be around athletes as good as they were, um, was huge. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then you did qualify individually the year after that. So 2018, uh, you went back to the Atlantic region and came fifth there. Yep. Um, that's how we kind of met was that was also my year at the games yeah which was um i mean i may be biased but i think when i think peak crossfit games and granted it might peak again i think 2018 from a a programming and spectacle standpoint i don't think that it's been topped since i don't know i I don't know i don't agree (laughs) what do you think alex i mean 2015 was a pretty big spectacle that was your year yeah okay so i were just i agree 2015 I don't remember like I didn't watch the games in 2015 but they were also some pretty rough workouts that weekend at the games right that was like like the year where Murph happened in the heat yeah okay yeah so yeah that was the year where people legit had to go to the hospital (laughs) Annie Thor's daughter the Annie Thor's daughter almost died just pushing limits she was like a zombie she looked like an extra from the walking dead that's how effed up she was. She was just yeah. like white and she was just stumbling around with her arms That's out. <laughs> 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 yeah. But, but so maybe we'll, we'll say 2015 and 2018 best mm-hmm. games ever. What was your favorite event in 2018? Okay. Let me, let me ask it. Not including the CrossFit total. <laughs> Fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, when you get when it's your first time competing there like and I'm sure you guys have experiences too but you're so worried and so nervous that you're forgetting to like take in the moment and remember like remind yourself of where you are and what you're doing so I honestly like have a hard time saying that year what was my favorite um because it's like I look back on them now and I can kind of get a sense of what I was feeling at the time when I was doing the workouts, um, obviously also the clean and jerk ladder was probably my second favorite. That was one of my top finishes. Yeah. I will never row a marathon again, unless I have to. <laughs> that was also rough. Yeah. You did well in that event though. Yeah, I did. Okay. In that one. Yeah. I think it's because I had she- Alex. She had, she did it first. That's true. So I, I knew I had a good strategy going into it, but yeah. What was that your was strategy? Because my strategy was totally wrong. I, uh, well, basically I knew what Alex's average was. And so I started a few seconds faster than that average and let it kind of drift 
down and kind of just knew it, the last hour was going to be horrendous no matter what. So just yeah. planned when I was going to get up and take breaks and, you know, yeah. try to maintain it as best I could. Who was yeah. yours? Um, we had one of our coaches who he's no longer, uh, he's no longer a misfit coach, but he had mentioned like doing negative splits and again, not being super experienced in the sport and listening to a coach who has done this, you know, for a couple years now, um, was telling me to do negative splits for a marathon. And I realized how horrible of an idea that was at the time. Um, and just, I had to get up from that rower so many times, like waking up the next day, like you have like sores and blisters and things in places you wouldn't expect to have them. So, um, the nice thing was having that rest day too. Um, and yeah. not having to do anything the next day because that yeah. was brutal. Um, the next day was, but I, I don't know about you. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you felt the same. I kind of recovered really well in a day. Like I felt yeah. fine on, uh, I guess, I don't know, Friday, whenever it started back. Yeah. I think yeah. just eating enough and making sure that we stayed hydrated. And I also yeah. think too, like your, your body is like just, you're in a ready state. So it's like your body knows that it needs to still prepare for war, basically. Yeah. And I think that meant, I think it's more of the mental preparation that helps the body feel physically ready, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then you qualified again the following year, 2019, and that was the sanctioned event year, and you qualified yeah. through the Brazil competition where you yep. came second. And then um, 2019 was also the year where they kind of eliminated that really brutal schedule of, or introduced the really brutal schedule of elimination. Yeah, the cuts. Yes. Sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Sucked. Um, from, what I, from what I know, I don't think that that was Dave's intention with the programming. I, I heard, because we were on demo team that year, and it was kind right. of communicated to us that it was more coming from like it was what Greg wanted and Dave was kind of miffed about it himself. But unfortunately he was taking a lot of flack for the cut schedule when it wasn't necessarily his decision. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, Dave is who everybody sees when it comes to the CrossFit games. Like he is the, the head head honcho, even though he has somebody above him that he needs to listen to as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and then 2020 was obviously a season that got kind of cut short for everybody. Um, and then last year, you did uh, which which event did you do last year? I had the virtual, so I did Atlas Games in North America. Right. Yeah, yeah. How do you find the virtual events? Uh, it was stressful. I like looking at my open and my quarterfinals. I had really good. I was leading up in a really good position and I was doing really well in online formats, which typically is not the case for me. So part of my strategy was thinking everyone's going to want to go and be in person and do a live event, you know, take advantage of a lesser competitive competition and do the online one, which was not the case at all when rightfully so, like none of them are going to be less competitive Um, so I took a risk on that and I, cause I was high enough in North America that I got to choose and I got the one that I chose. Um, and then I just, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. And then I made the last chance qualifier and 
I just, I just couldn't hang. I just couldn't have the results. Yeah. So, but it was worth trying. It was a risk. Yeah. And it was a good experience. I still know that I can do really well in an online event, but I know again that I do much better in person. So going forward, it's going to be all in person events, hopefully. Um, so we'll see what other two get announced this year. Yeah. See where we go. You can never really know like with, with CrossFit and this is just, this has always been the case, even when regionals were in place and it was kind of standardized across the globe. Like you, you never know what the, the competition is going to have in store. You don't know what the programming is going to be. You don't know what movements are going to show up. And I think when you're, you know, unless you're kind of a shoe in athlete, it's, it always comes down to like, you do have to get a little bit lucky with the programming and, um, and what shows up. And even though like the goal is to be as well-rounded as possible, like I know you have things that you'd love to see when they show up in programming, just like we do. Um, and when those things don't show up, it's just kind of like, well, I'll do my best. And I found that the programming with Atlas last year definitely left a lot of people in that situation. Yeah. And then like, there was just a theme to the online events. Like it was a ton of handstand walking and like list rope climbs. And then the last chance qualifier was a ton of handstand walking and more like list rope climbs. And it was just, and of, of course there's other domains that they're, they're fitting in there, but it was like, you could be a little bit more outside of the box when it came to the last chance qualifier as far as programming. But I mean, that's not, it's not making an excuse. It's just, at least it's, it's helping me figure out more of what my weaknesses are and where I need to center my focus. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll kind of get into the bulk of this, uh, podcast here. Um, you just came back from Wadapalooza uh, which was, I thought a pretty, it looked like a pretty well-run. Wadapalooza is always a little bit of a shit show from an organization <laughs> yeah, standpoint. It is. Um, but it's a really fun experience. So why don't you talk a little bit about that for you and kind of where you were going into it and what the wins for the weekend were. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> I've done Wadapalooza for three years now. Uh, the last two years I had an absolute blast going. I've always enjoyed the atmosphere. Um, it's a little bit different this year because there was no pressure on it to do well. You weren't trying to qualify for anything in years past. Uh, in 2019, the the goal was to try to qualify for the games through Wadapalooza. And Wadapalooza is such a good one to try it with because there's already so many girls that were there that were qualified that you can come in 11th place and still qualify for the games. So there's benefit to going to that one. And outside of that you're going up against essentially the game's top athletes so you're always getting great experience um and this year was a little bit different um I was I'm working with Meredith now so I was working with you pretty much leading into this since October November um and just dialing everything in and dialing training in and I got COVID the week before um, I haven't really talked about that with anyone yeah. except, you know, keeping it between us and through text. Um, but it laid me out for five, six days. Um, so that was the week prior to going and my nerves were just, my stress levels were so high because I'm like, well, if I don't like, what if I keep te- like, what if I test positive and I can't fly, I'm not going to go. And I was like, this sucks. It's the end of the world, but it's really not. 
Um, so that weekend before Wadapalooza, I've ran through a few of the events, probably at like 50, 60% of feeling like myself. Um, but I needed to, I knew if I was going, I needed to get the soreness out and make sure that I can do the events, at least what was announced. And then leading into it that week, I kind of kept training pretty, pretty light. I didn't do much. And then flew out on Tuesday, everything came back with my tests and it was fine. Um, I was feeling fine. I didn't have any residual effects. And then Thursday we started competing. So Thursday's first event was the flip sled event, which no one had touched a flip sled before. It was a new implement. And that workout rocked me, like completely wrecked my body. Like it took me probably three hours to recover afterwards. We were out in the Miami heat. Um, It was my first time competing with a line of girls next to me. And since two years ago, 20, early 2020, and just the intensity and the heat and the unknown of like, how, how well am I going to do again? Am I ready for this? Um, but weighted GHDs, weighted jump ropes, like it, it rocked me. And I, like, I got done with that workout and I couldn't do anything but laugh about it because <laughs> I was like, I needed that humbling experience again. And that is exactly like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And being done with that event and be like, okay, I feel wrecked, but I'm enjoying it still. Um, yeah. So it was a good, aside from being a horrible workout, probably one of the worst that I've done. Um, yeah. It was a good start, uh, regardless of the leaderboard that like where it set me. Um, and then the rest of the weekend, you know, kind of like you said, Wadapalooza can be a shit show as far as scheduling and weather. You can't control that. But the last day, the weather really impacted the competition and we went from a, a 2.30 p.m. start to a 4 o'clock start to a 7 p.m. start. So we didn't actually do our first event of two until 7 p.m. And yeah. it, it's tough to mentally hang on that long, um, especially yeah. after a weekend where you've gotten really beat up. So uh, I yeah. bombed my last event, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> I was a little checked out. And I know the movements are a weakness for me. And I knew that going into it. So mentally, it kind of let it affect me a little bit, for sure. But again, it's the long weekend. The, the total volume caught up. And I was ready to eat by, like, <laughs> the time that event came around. Yeah. So, But overall, it was a great experience. Um, yeah. Could it have been better had I not got COVID? Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Less mentally taxing. <laughs> at least you wouldn't have had, at least you didn't have to worry about getting COVID while you were there. I know. That was the big thing. I was like, I could be free right now. I don't have to, I don't have to stress about it. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, maybe I'm still probably dealing with some respiratory things. Just like, yeah. There are certain movements where like I can do them normally, but like the last couple weeks, like I get super out of breath and, just don't really, you don't really think about it until you take time to think about it. And you're like, oh, like, why is this bothering me so much? Why am I yeah. getting so out of breath from doing burpee box jump overs where like I can bang them out at a steady pace and here yeah. I am stopping in the middle of them. Like, so, why am I sweating so much? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
yeah. just feel like you're working a little extra overtime. Did you feel like that's what you said you haven't really been open with it or shared. Um, do you feel like there's pressure in the community to not be open with it or was it just a decision you made like you don't really think it matters so. Yeah like it, it's not that it doesn't matter and it is definitely like Ben and I my boyfriend we were talking about it like you have reasons and you have excuses and it was definitely a reason that affected me in in the competition um but I didn't want to say it out loud because like I didn't want it I didn't want myself to be convinced of an excuse like I didn't want to have that um I didn't want that playing in my head like I'm using this as an excuse I'm going to tell everybody I got COVID and you know that's why I placed 14th um my I just I don't know I just I I hate that I hate when it's like really blasted out there on people's social media of like yep that is it's so it seems so common in the sport like what my coach once told me before going to the games I had like a wrist injury and he was like every like a lot of people are injured and you just kind of have to like do your best like everyone's dealing with something in the sport but then there, there are a lot of people who are like you know they go into the games and you just you see on like morning chalk up or on Instagram like oh you know I've been dealing with the shoulder injury or you know my back has been hurting and it's like I don't know I think it's to protect people's egos and like self it's like but it but what it's doing and kind of what you say is like you're letting it have power over you to some degree maybe more so than if you just were like this is what I'm dealing with it's part of the game like I'm just gonna do what I can given the circumstances yes Exactly. And there, I had a small group of people know, um, that I was, you know, dealing with that and, you know, I was doing my best just to manage it and again, work with what I had. So I went out there and I gave the best that I had. Um, and I didn't, I didn't leave the event having to blast it on my social media either. Like I don't, I don't need the validation from other people. Um, what I need is the validation from myself and, you know, the closest people around me. And those are the people that, you know, knew what I was dealing with and are also the people that still support me regardless of any situation, you know? So, yeah. 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 Do you guys remember um, in 2019, because we were staying together at Wadapalooza. Yeah. Remember that? And because uh, Meredith and I were team of three with Prevo and you yeah. had rented a car. I do remember that. We parked in a parking lot and we come back and the tires had locked. <laughs> they had booted the car. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my and God. And we were I all like, forgot about that. Oh my God. <laughs> Was that when I got in a fight with the parking attendant? And I guess what had happened is we had parked on a, like a level that was only reserved for like employees. <laughs> and the guy was like basically going to charge us some ridiculous amount, like $250 or something. Yeah. To like remove this boot. And he, yeah, as a penalty. we walked up so, to the car as he was doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we like paid it. I think you paid it. And then we ended up like paying back for part of it because mm-hmm. we felt so bad. And then we left and we were going to have to pay on top of that pay for to park. Yeah. Like on top of the, the ticket we were going to have to pay like the 25 bucks or something that it t- was to park there. And Meredith lost it. 
<laughs> and she went into like the office of the parking attendant and was like yelling at this guy. And it's like this 130 pound girl just like, like pointing up, <laughs> yelling at this like 300 pound, like very tall man. <laughs> Did I get us out of the parking lot for free? I did. For True. free. True. Yeah, yeah, I rented a car and I realized I will never do that again in Miami. Yeah. That was more yeah, expensive than taking Ubers. Yeah. Even though every Uber is like 45 bucks. It's the True. parking though. True. It's so yeah, brutal. Yeah, it's the parking. And then that was the same year that we had the house cat. Mm-hmm. God, that was little, so cute. Little baby boo. <laughs> so cute. Kenzie, was Kenzie's cute baby until girl. It, like, yeah, it, until it it drug up a rat. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you're actually a wild animal. So a little background on that. We found this cat, stray cats, because they're all over in Miami. And we took her in. We weren't supposed to, but we took her in. We gave to her affection house. to our Airbnb. And one day she just comes back to the back door and has a dead mouse in her mouth. And she was just it proud. Was like- just so big, proud because it was like a really small big. cat <laughs> and like a really big mouse <laughs> that was that's that's true love she had fallen in love with us she and did wanted to show us that she yeah did. i think she was trying to thank us for allowing her to stay in our, our airbnb <laughs> that was so great it was a good i still deed. have those pictures me too um, me too yeah that's so good uh okay so you so we, hockey as a kid did you play any other sports or was that kind of yeah like the sport no I was definitely a huge tomboy as a kid yeah um I played baseball softball basketball um field hockey ice hockey those were like my main few sports I never got into soccer um what other sports do you play as a kid never got into track cross country um but yeah I had I played a few sports sports um yeah. I loved it you feel like your like teams a team sport background makes you a better CrossFit competitor? I think so. I think uh, you learn a lot about communication, about you know having to work with each other, and also getting competitive with people that you can still be friends with. So like you know getting the competitive nature and things like that, um, and just the work ethic. You can either be the one that's leading by example, or you're the one following the one that's leading by example. So, yeah. Was there someone who you like looked up to early in, in the sport of CrossFit? In CrossFit? Um, not really. I didn't, I didn't really get into the super competitive side of it until I qualified. Um, and in 2018, after qualifying for regionals, I decided to follow, uh, Misfit Athletics and work with a coach. And at the time, China Cho was an athlete with them. And I got to become pretty good friends with her. And Kenzie Riley was also with them. Um, And I got to spend a weekend at camp up in Maine with those guys. And there's just something about the original, like, back-in-the-day CrossFit athletes, like China Cho, Becca Voigt, um, you know, Rich Froning, all of those guys. But getting to meet China, Becca, Voigt, those guys really were inspiring to me because they had sportsmanship and they loved the sport and they loved to compete in it. And they also loved to empower everyone else to do as well as they could, you know, yeah. and, and just do your best and always pushing to be your best. And 
they they supported that in others as much as they supported it in themselves and I just have a big respect for that yeah when we uh we're friends with Paul Tremblay who's kind of of that generation CrossFit athlete up here and he calls he calls that generation and I kind of lump us into that generation we kind of like you know bridge the gap a little bit but he calls that generation the old guard and I think it's a really sort of unique um collection of athletes because a lot of them came into CrossFit either as an ex-collegiate athlete or you know as a just a regular gym goer um, and then got good and got really competitive versus a lot of people who are coming into it now as, you know, it's the only sport that they've ever yeah. done. And so I wonder, like, as someone who does come from a team sports background, and we're both the same, um, do you think that the young athletes who are specializing in CrossFit super early are doing themselves a disservice by doing that and not by being a little more broad in their exploration of sports and athletics? Yeah, I I definitely think so. I think CrossFit is one of those sports that's, it's so big on social media that like you get consumed by it. And I know at at one point I was consumed by looking at everyone's Instagram and all the superstar things that people are doing. Um, And you see the, like, I guess it's pretty sensationalized, right? Like, um, I think kids will be a better CrossFit athlete if they stayed well-rounded and played other sports and experienced other sports. Um, That's why we love a ton of our teenagers that we work with. They play multiple sports in school and they do CrossFit two, three days a week. And CrossFit is helping them in their sports that they're doing right now. Um, But it's adding variety to what they're doing and they're never getting bored and they're always having fun. And they're, they always look forward to coming to CrossFit and I know for myself, like in 2016, when I was, you know, was I 25, 26? And I like, I was obsessed with it. I wanted to do CrossFit every single day. And I always told myself, like, I wish I did this when I was younger. Um, But now as I get older and I realize, like, I have days where I really enjoy not being in a gym and not being around CrossFit, um, that I'm glad I didn't just consume myself in it all the time when I was younger. Um, and I always did different things. And I think, you know, even when I have kids, like I want them to do multiple sports and see what they really do fall in love with. And if it ends up being CrossFit, great. But if it doesn't, it could be something else. I look at the young athletes coming up like 12, 13, 14, 15. And I look at what I was doing when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15, or even younger. And like, I mean, you probably experienced this on a hockey team. Like I mostly ski raced and I was traveling around with like a team of kids with like one or two coaches and we had like a team van and we'd travel and even when I was like playing or sorry skiing NCAA it was the same thing like you have your ski team and um like I know CrossFit's moving a little bit towards like teams but it's still so individual and like more individual than like skiing it's it kind of reminds me of when I played golf it was you're kind of just with your parents and you kind of you're like you play at your course and you're, you kind of play with the older athletes, the adults, like you play with maybe a couple friends, but you don't have that like team atmosphere, those same experiences that you, you have when you're on a swim team or on a ski team or on a hockey team where like, you know, you experiment with stuff together. Like, you know, like I remember, 
you know, like even like drinking and stuff, like it's as much as like, yeah, drinking, you know, has a, a dark side. It's like, there's the mature, like, I don't know. There's just, it's different. It's a completely different experience to be a young CrossFit athlete. And I think they're missing out on a lot of like really, a lot of the experiences that I think are the most valuable with being on a, being in, in sports and athletics. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, and you know, like you're mention, in a gym with adults all the time. Yeah. And not to mention you're probably homeschooled. So that yeah. too. you're, you're not around any kids at all. And like, what type of interaction are you getting outside of that aside yeah. besides the adults in the CrossFit gym or even some other teens in the gym, but it's like that kid's probably homeschooled too. And they don't have any interaction outside of that. Um, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, you're right with the way that social media is, there's like constant comparison and you can always compare because it's a numbers game. It's like mm-hmm. everything's for time or for weight. Whereas, you know, you play hockey or you ski race and it's like you train, you just try to get better. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get, you have a time, but it, it changes all the time. Like you can't necessarily compare times like across time. Right. And like, it's just when like you're, different. Yeah. And when you're on a team, like you're trying to get better for your teammates and they're trying to get better for you and you're trying to get better as a whole. Right. Like hockey was so big on you pretty much were on a line. Right. So you had a left wing, a center and a right wing like those. You were a trio, essentially. So you always went out together. Anytime there was a line shift, the whole line changed pretty much. Um, And you had to get to know each other. You had to know each other like how you are on the ice, off the ice, are you, because if you're not getting along, it's really hard to mesh when you're on the ice, right? So um, in knowing like, okay, I, I don't even need to look and I know that in this specific play, my teammate is going to be behind the net and I can just chuck the puck down there and they're going to be there. Like you had that reliability with each other and that trust um, and you don't get that. You don't get that in CrossFit because yeah, you're so like, <clears throat> you're so concerned on trying to be better than somebody else yeah and like I think that there's a lot to learning how to emotionally regulate around your peers and you do you get that in school you get that in team sports um you learn how to have a bad day and brush it off and move on and um yeah I mean I I think that there's just there's a lot to childhood development and social skills and socialization that's being overlooked for the sake of you know um getting good at a sport that historically and still doesn't really um pay well and provide a lot of opportunity to the athletes and that may change but right now that's just kind of the case and so for me it's yeah I don't I don't see the benefit if I had a teenager right now who wanted to do CrossFit I would say that's fine you can do it in support of you know whatever sports you want to play but it is not going to be your thing yeah, like I do have I, a question. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I'm, I was I'm, like, go. I wish I did CrossFit in college for hockey. Like I wanted it. I just it's such an explosive sport that like the intervals, like it all just plays so well into what hockey was like. Um, yeah. And I'm sure Caroline Prevost can, you know, speak to that. I'm sure she did it back then. Um, I had something, a really good point. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I was going somewhere with that. Yeah, I was going somewhere with that, but I forgot. 
Alex interrupted you. It's okay. Yeah. Um, All right, Alex, your turn now. (laughs) Okay, well, now I'm not going to ask it because it's going to, like, it's so So bad, the the question. Well, no, there are no bad questions. No, yeah, it's all good. Let's hear it. My question was, when was the first time you got drunk? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was not what I was expecting. And was it with your team? Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, Did you throw up? (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Off of two Mike's Hard Lemonades. That's all it took. <laughs> so Yucky. I didn't, like, some kids experience drinking in high school and, you know, to each his own, whatever. Um, my official visit, this is still, I, I don't know, can I get in trouble for talking about underage drinking? Nah, um, no. All right. My official visit to Ohio State I was, you have a host, one of the girls on the team is a host for you and you stay with them for the weekend. Um, and they show you, you know, what's a day like in, in class, what's practice like. They take you basically all around and you go and you watch a game, but you stay in the dorms with them. And I stayed with Kimmy Toit and Barbara, I think your last name now is Egan. They sound and like troublemakers. Kimmy Toit was a troublemaker <laughs> straight out from Detroit. <laughs> Straight out from Detroit. Um, so, but Barbara was my host. And so they took me to a party and she gave me a beer to start. I've never gotten into beer to this day. I still don't like to drink beer. She gave me a Coors Light. That was the first drink, a Coors Light. And I forced it down. Disgusting. That was at a bar. Then we went to a house party at the hockey house. So there's like six girls that live together, called it the hockey house. Um, trash so trashy (laughs) (laughs) but they gave me a mike's hard lemonade and so i had that too and you were like "Mm, yummy i know so bad and they weren't peer pressuring (laughs) me either right like i'm there to also experience a little bit of college before i go uh but it's late we go back to their dorm barb's bed is on the bottom kim's bed is on the top but barb decides to put me up on kim's bed she's not home yet she's also out partying and I laid down and I didn't realize what my world was gonna start doing spinning and hard after two drinks and I ended up throwing up all over her mattress so we had to take the mattress off and take it outside I don't know what she did with it and then Barb was like here you just lay on the floor just go to bed sleep on the floor so I'm like, okay, it's fine. She sounds like a just nice cry. She was, oh my gosh, she was such a sweetheart. She was the nicest girl. Um, but then Kimmy comes barreling in at like, you know, like 2 or 3 a.m. And all I'm hearing is, what the fuck, what's going on? And like starts getting so mad. I'm like, hmm, I'm just going to keep my eyes closed and pretend I'm sleeping until the morning and I can get out of here. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing and I never saw Kim again until I was like I'm committed so she's gonna be on the team and she was just a year older than me so we had three years together and we ended up becoming really good friends um throughout the next couple years which is just ironic that's good it would have been super awkward if she had like held it against you for three years (laughs) I know Samenza, I know. you owe me a mattress. <laughs> oh, so bad. So yeah, that was like my first time. Uh, I'll never that's, forget though. 
these are these are the stories that people are here for. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but your last name is like it is a sports announcer's dream. It's funny like, you're saying you, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like they're saying they like go down the list and it's like and Paige Samenza. <laughs> they love it like every time they say it. It's, it's funny. Like, um you know Chloe Gavin David or David. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce Hers it. Hers is but... not their dream. <laughs> it's not. Um <laughs> But she kept yelling it wherever she was. And she saw me. She was like, Samenza. And she yep. <laughs> just kept doing it. It was just funny. Um, sounds like her. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. to know her a little bit more this weekend, too, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Because um, yeah. she also qualified when we did in 2018. Yeah. So she, she's great. I was with the Canadians in 2018 because they screwed up my jersey. And so I yeah. hung out with her a lot. And she was teaching me, uh, like, um, French Canadian swear words the whole weekend. I can't remember any of them now, but that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She's that's fantastic. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, um, you have had, obviously you played a lot of sports. Is there a coach? Like who's the best coach you've ever had? And then like, why? Um, so I went to, in high school, I went to a school called the North American hockey Academy, Naha for short. It was in Vermont. It was an all girl school. I went there 10th, 11th in my senior year, and there were 40 girls Sounds total. Sounds like my dream. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were 40 girls, all girls school, and as a, my dream as an 18 year old. <laughs> essentially <laughs> enough for two teams. I'm just gonna keep going. Essentially enough for yeah. two teams, the A team and the B team. Wait, this is all hockey. All hockey. Do we yeah. know? Can we get the stats on how many of them are gay? No. There's a good majority, for Over sure. Over fifty percent. Um, I That's would say. What I meant. Yeah, I would say when I was there, it was very hush hush, and I think since it's just very like people are just very open about it now. But yeah, um, it's boarding school. It's 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 a stereotype, right? Within hockey, like lesbian. It, it is yeah. what it is, and some yeah. are, some aren't, and some of my friends in, from college that I still talk to from Ohio State are gay and. You know, yeah. that, that brings it is me what my it next is. question. <laughs> Alex, you have to control yourself. I don't actually think she plugged my mic and she knows better. So just <laughs> pretend I'm not talking. Okay. Better for the overall recording. Uh, let's get, let's get back I'll on save those questions for later. <laughs> um, you threw me off again. I don't know where rapid, we are. Rapid fire. We were talking about your Aha, coaching. you were talking yes. about Aha. Okay, yeah. Naha. 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 Yep, so all girls school, 40 girls. Uh, two teams and essentially you were living as if you were in like a college schedule so you learned time management you learned how to play a ton of hockey and still go to school Um, and our only goal there that was when I actually specialized in a sport was pretty much through late middle school into high school because I was going to a prep school essentially Um, and I loved our coaches there. Uh, Bill Driscoll, his son. Um, we went through a couple other coaching changes there, but Bill was the one who ran it, ran the school. And um, for being a male back then, he knew how to work with girls so well. And it was, he knew how to um, kind of, you know, he knew how to motivate me and he knew how to motivate somebody else when it was completely different. Right. So like, I've never someone who's like, you know, scream in my face and yell at me and tell me I suck. 
to do better. I want someone to encourage me to do better. And he knew that and he was able to do that with me. Um, and also, you know, fit the motivation that other girls needed as well. Um, and he knew the sport so well and just the confidence in that was, um, it rubbed off. So he was awesome, but I have played so many sports and been in and out of so many different coaches that like, it's really hard to pinpoint one because they all have their special, you know, special moments that you hold inside of you. Um, he was definitely one of the most impactful and, you know, helped me get to a point to receive a scholarship for college. And that's huge. Um, so he definitely, he made me a better athlete overall. And he, back then we also, you know, sportsmanship, we talk about that, but like we always represented what was on the front of our Jersey more so than the name on the back. And we took pride in that. Um, so that was definitely a big one. Um, I had a lot of coaching changes in college. I wouldn't say they were the most impactful, but definitely still, you know, made me part of the athlete I am today. Um, and same with my other coaches when I was younger. So, but Naha, I think was really the time of my life that I needed to become the athlete I am today for sure. Yes. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so you do like you do some coaching now, um, mm-hmm. CrossFit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what is that something that you'll continue to do, and what has drawn you to that specifically? Yeah. So um, I received my degree in education. So essentially, I wanted to become a teacher. Um, after college, I felt pretty burned out in school and in hockey as well. Like, I, again, a lot of coaching changes, a lot of season changes um, that I wanted a break. So. At Ohio State, you didn't get your teaching license in your four years. You had to go for a post-bachelorette program or a master's program. And I took time off from doing that, and I haven't gone for my teaching license at all. But coaching is a very much be an educator, and it's being on my feet, and it's teaching people more about living a healthy life than, you know, teaching math and algebra. So I still find a lot of, uh, I'm proud of being a coach and I, I love the impact that I have on people. Um, and I think like, I love coaching the teens class the most right now. Uh, I love coaching our adults too. Um, but the teens are just, again, they, all of them do other sports outside of CrossFit and they love to come to CrossFit and work and like suffer a little bit and they just they like they enjoy it and it's just so fun to see that generation of like oh my god this kid was jumping on a 10 inch box and all of a sudden they're jumping on 20 inch boxes because you've helped get them to be as fit as they are and it's just I love it I love doing it um but as far as doing it like for a career uh, like a full-time career, I'm not sure yet. So yeah, I want to say yes. And I think obviously what I'm doing right now leads me in that direction, but I also want to compete. So I'm kind of stuck on that, but yeah. I'm also 30 and I'm not really sure what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I've had a hard time figuring that out. And 
I still have a lot of passion for this. So it's not like, you know, it would go anywhere anytime soon for me. So I've, I've, I think there's this misconception that you should have everything figured out at the age of 30. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I mean, I definitely, 30 is the new 20. (laughs) I think that if if you could, if we could delay education and kids, like get them to do something semi-productive between the age of 18 and 25. And then after 25, you're like, okay, now I want to go to school for this. Yeah. I think that would be so much better. Yeah. I definitely, um, like my parents were never bad about school. Like me and my brother always did our work. I'm sure my brother, not so much, but like, um, (laughs) we weren't pushed to be perfect in school, but we were pushed enough to do well. Um, and earn our grades and, and stuff like that. And like, um, but like, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got to college. I put teacher down because when I was younger, I always said, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. Like, and I don't know if I want to be a teacher. Actually, I don't want to be a teacher, but I want to be like, (laughs) I want to teach, right? I want to teach CrossFit. Or I want to teach something, you know, another sport, something that's super hands-on and still has an impact. But, like, I don't really love a school setting or the education that you teach, the curriculum that you you teach. Like, it's so structured and just not structured in a great way, I guess. Yeah. Um, We're just in a system, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's, it's like you, you have to do things this way because it's the system and it's standardized and there's standardized testing and right. just that's how – and there's, it's not a good – there's nothing wrong with, with people who go into that field. I think teaching is a really admirable career, but I think that mm-hmm. now more so than probably ever, there are so many ways that you can teach people and work in education without, like, working in education. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think um, aside from that too, like I've gone for – my CrossFit level one and my CrossFit level two certs and they're just weekend certifications, but like, you know, you're, you're sitting and listening to all the lectures and you're getting hands on. And I don't know, like both times that I have gone have been with different instructors through CrossFit, like different level fours. And there's always one that like reaches out to me afterwards and is like, Hey, we think that you'd be a great you know, level four, if you ever find yourself wanting a career in this. And that's always intrigued me too. But I don't know. I don't know. Like one of your, and I'm sure we can kind of follow up with that, but one of your questions is, you know, how do you feel about CrossFit right now um, as an organization and as a sport? And I really don't know the ins and outs of the organization side of it. Um, I can't really say I've stayed up to date or like I also don't know what what to listen to or like what to trust because like there's just so much stuff that's going like there's just so much change and it's just hard to keep up yeah does that frustrate you as an athlete yeah I mean I dealt with that in college and I again I burned out like we had coaching change after coaching change and having to learn different systems and just so much drama comes with that and it's you get tired of it. Um, and again, like maybe, you know, 30 is the new 20, right? Like I'm still young for being a CrossFit athlete, but like it get you get old, it gets old, you know? So it's like just waiting for some consistency. Like I'm not going to wait forever. 
I'm also 30. I want to get married. I want to have a family at some point. Like there are life priorities that are going to take over. Yep. So. Yeah, I guess we felt that in, and granted, it's a totally different situation now than it was in 2019, but it was like the rules kept changing. There are all these hoops to jump through. This, like, Then there's on top of that, you have to be playing the social media game, especially back then because it dictated what, you know, events you would get invited to versus having to go the qualifier route. And it just mm-hmm. felt like the sport was moving in a really unfair direction. And I think now it's better, but there's obviously some uncertainty about what the future is. And I have always kind of like felt that a little bit because CrossFit is like, yes, it's a sport, but it's also a private company and a privately held organization. And there's really nothing that is stopping, you know, someone or some situation from just pulling the rug out Mm-hmm. from under, like underneath it I think now it's starting to be um sort of bolstered by you know other events and you know loud and live events things like that and that's good um but yeah it's it's I could definitely say from an athlete standpoint why it's it's frustrating to kind of be on the outside looking yeah. in when you're like not sure what you're looking at <laughs> I remember in 2019 because we were on the demo team and then we saw you in the athlete village like after you had gotten cut and we were just like, how are you doing? <clears throat> and I remember you were like, what am I doing? Like, this is so stupid. Yeah. It really was. Cause like you work your ass off to get to the games and there's only 40 people who go normally, I guess there were like a million people who went that year. Yeah. But it was just like, why can't I do the last two days or right. day? I think that was a Saturday. And it was like, I've, I'm, I'm here. Like what the hell? And how is this? something that was just announced like yeah it didn't it wasn't fair like we were shocked um and like to be an athlete I just can't even imagine it's just like it's it's tough when the sport is is so volatile Mm -hmm. and yeah it was like last man standing essentially like just the stress of not wanting to get cut was like Mm -hmm. you're also stressed about the workout you're doing and the people you're competing against let alone have to worry about getting cut so it did. It added a lot of just a lot of stress that didn't need to happen. But also, like, why couldn't it be consistent at least to a point of like, OK, we'll keep the top 40 for the rest of the weekend? You know, like, why did it have to yeah. keep cutting down so much? And yeah. I, you know, it, it even cut again this year, but um, differently. Right. Yeah. More appropriately. And I, at least yeah. you kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. Right. This was, yeah, we literally found out, what, the day of, basically, that you were going to cut. Yeah. And, yeah, like you said, like, you know, the rule book kept changing. Like, you read something on social media that was different than what someone else is saying. So you just didn't know. I don't know know if you remember, but the the season started and there wasn't a rule book. Yeah, for a long time. It was like, yes, we're doing this. And they had to, like, they had to do, because I remember that year, certain events had already happened like Dubai, like Dubai and Wadapalooza, mm-hmm. I think. And then they released the rule book and there, but then they had to like retroactively apply Wadapalooza and Dubai. But like yeah. you were competing without even know, like I think Sarah Sigmund's daughter won that year and it was right. like, okay, well she's in, but then it was such a mess. I think yeah. that's when Meredith and I were like, yeah, we're not doing this. To this year. <laughs> yeah. To and then, the <laughs> yeah. And then the open applied to your, to qualifying. Mm-hmm. So that's why all yeah. that backfilling happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was a mess. So is I, there, I um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a little better now. Is there something you'd like to see moving forward from the sport? Like what's, 
What does the future look like in your ideal world? I would love to see, like, this is what I wanted to say. Can I go back, way back? We're going to go back. I think, because we were talking about kids being homeschooled and just doing CrossFit, and right now there's not much in it for you unless you are in the top, right? Like, unless you are making the thousands of dollars that you can make a living off of. But, like, the NCAA now, you can make money off of your name. Like, I would go back to college now because of that. I didn't have that when I was in college. Um, and, like, that's super enticing. That's super motivating. And that's that's just cool. It's cool that yep. the NCAA has shifted towards that. Um, and don't get me wrong, being at Ohio State, like, we were very spoiled. And I'm very grateful for the the hockey sticks, the equipment, the, the travel, all of that stuff that's covered for. Um, but I never got paid to do it either whereas like these kids can do that now and I mean you'd be on a a big 10 football team and you're you have a good likeness to make money off of um so I don't know I that that's you know the whole be at home and just do CrossFit my kids wouldn't do that (laughs) I'll say that no (laughs) um for the sport going forward I'm not really sure I think I think a lot of it is, you know, being an an, uh, athlete in the sport who is not huge on social media, like, you know, certain athletes get that, you know, that big competition or that big event that like blows up their name and their likeness can, you know, they make, they just get a lot more people reaching out to them, sponsors, stuff like that. Um, Being someone who's not huge in that sense, like, I just, I see a lot of clickiness in those that are big on social media and also Mm -hmm. are great athletes. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I don't know. I would love to see that kind of attention shift from, you know, constantly posting about the Sarah Sigmund's daughter on CrossFit, the, the T like the Tia's, the, the people who are so big that people already know about, like, what about, there's a lot of favoritism. Yeah. What about us other athletes who are putting in that kind of work and trying to make a name, um, but just haven't gotten quite the opportunity to do it yet? Um, yeah, I think that's kind of part of I would like to see that just because, like, I've worked my ass off, you know, and not that there's little to receive from it. Right. Like I have the people that I need to that know about it and know that I've been to the games and know the work I put in, but, you know, just to have that recognition every so often from CrossFit themselves would be kind of cool. Um, yeah. And it might help with like a sponsorship opportunities, which makes traveling easier, which right. means maybe you don't have to coach as much or like, I don't know your situation, but I know yeah. what it's like to be a fringe athlete. Yeah. And a lot of that is out of pocket. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super grateful for Misfit Athletics. Like working with them has been one of the best things I've, I've chosen to do. Um, and they're a company, like they've become friends and I work with them as well as a remote coach now too. Um, and they've given me like, you know, those little bits of opportunity here and there. And they're a small company, sure, but like they're willing to help in any way that they can. And part of that is with the travel and accommodations for competitions. Um, <laughs> and then part of that is just, you know, being someone that I can talk to and also learn from with their coaching staff because they have 
a ton of experience behind them and like being with like continuing with them like my loyalty is there with them and that definitely won't yeah. change um yeah. but yeah it could bring up other opportunities as far excuse me as far as sponsorships go and part of like the sportsmanship you know representing a company in like that I feel like that's not in CrossFit very much like I am proud to be a misfit athletics athlete and like I will you know say that day in and day out I am proud to coach at CrossFit Vertex like I want to represent the companies just as well as I want to represent myself and I've always been that way and I've always valued that um and I don't see so much value in that in the sport, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, people, yeah. No, it definitely does. People are like, I'm a true grid athlete. I'm going to just post my social media post so I get the money for it or something like yep. if that makes sense, you know? But like I'm yeah. outwardly, you know, representing Misfit and representing Vertex. And, you know, those are just parts of my life that I'm proud to be a yeah. part, like to have, you know? Yeah, I mean, you see it. You see a lot, and I, I don't fault people for taking sponsorships because I know it's really hard to, to make money in this sport. Yeah, but I do see people supporting companies that, like, I know for a fact they don't actually support or use or back. They just they do their exactly that. It's like they're one post a month or two posts a month, and you know they collect their check and that's it. And it's super. It creates this sort of this this like inauthentic feeling when when athletes do post about. Um, brands and it's it's like how do you I don't know I I guess yeah I don't know where I'm going with that but it's like how do you know the authenticity side of things yeah like how do you know like I won't work with a company unless I like truly value and believe in what they are offering or you know representing or anything like that um so like how do you know which posts on social media are posts that like hey, this person's posting about them and they are truly like grateful for that opportunity to get to post about them instead of like, I'm posting about this because I have to and it's part of my contract. Yeah. You know, I get that. Exactly. I know what you mean. Yeah. I don't think you can know. Right. That's true. Yeah, I agree. It's hard. Yeah. Um, so obviously like we've been, we've been working together for a little bit with nutrition, on nutrition. Um, how does that sort of fit into your history as an athlete um and like what you know what changes have you noticed since putting or in the past even when you've put focus on on nutrition specifically Mm -hmm. so high school knew absolutely nothing college tried to tell like self-teach myself a little bit but was definitely definitely not had a great relationship with food or knew how to fuel for performance like that was never those three words were never like together in a sentence for me um and then after that like I started learning like macros became like that big thing and that was probably around when I started powerlifting. and you know macros are still a big thing now but it's not like I'm gonna do this to fit my macros kind of thing you know um I think it's evolved so much from when I was in college that like it's actually mind-blowing the the research and the 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 science that goes into it now. Um, and then through CrossFit, I've worked with a couple different coaches, maybe two or three other coaches, um, before deciding to work with you. And 
all of them were essentially just a set of numbers and just hit them. So yeah, paying attention to sleep, just lifestyle in general, um, nutrition, yes, quality of food, um, eating for performance. Like I never really, really dialed into those things. And I would say the most important has been the stuff outside of nutrition, ironically, um, has been the biggest. So the biggest changes as far as working with you guys, you know, compared to others. Um, and I've learned a lot just about that and I'm eating the most that I have like been suggested and advised to eat. And honestly, those numbers have gone up since starting. So before starting with you, I was eating more. And then since being with you, I've eaten more. So, um, and like, I don't worry about my weight. I don't necessarily worry about what I look like. Um, it kind of all ties in together and I'm, I'm, I look like an athlete and that's, that's what I want right now. I want it for performance. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is like putting the focus on performance and then on all of those other things. So, um, you know, the, the mood, how's energy and training, like what's your overall outlook in life? Like all of those things that tells you everything you need to know about nutrition. Um, and then the, the numbers, like, I think a lot of people are coaching nutrition that don't, um, you know, maybe they have their PN1 or whatever the certification is that people get now. Um, and they get really caught up in the numbers, but you're like, the human body is so complicated and it's so complex and it's so good at adjusting that like, you can't just throw very specific numbers at it and say, yes, this is definitely going to happen or this is going to be the result. It's like the, the window, the range for numbers is actually quite large. Um, you know, and as long as you're, you're feeling good in those other areas, it's like, yeah, your food is good enough. Yeah. Right. And that's, and I want people to, to understand that. Yeah. So like in most of our conversations, like we check in three days a week and most of our conversations come back to, um, it's, it's never really about food. It's about how's your sleep or how do you feel about getting back to journaling? Um, are you reading at night? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Like it's, it's everything but food, unless there's a specific question towards food. Um, cause yes. you, you follow my, my, my fitness pal. Um, so like you see what's going into my body. And if there was something in there that you're like, well, why did you have McDonald's today? <laughs> you know, instead of, you know, I'm sure that would be a question you'd ask, but you see the food I eat every day. And yeah. If there was a serious concern in there, it would be talked about. Yeah. But outside of that, it's how are your cats today? Did you <laughs> sleep? You know, like there's just there's so much more to nutrition than just food. Yeah. Sometimes it's having somebody and I've had coaches before. It's having somebody in your corner who knows yeah. you and knows the ins and outs of your life and how you respond to them on a daily basis. So like when you are in competition you can text Meredith or Meredith texts you and, and it, you can simply just be like, how are you doing? And that alone can be like very valuable. Um, like I had a really shitty training day and like having to talk to somebody who maybe understands that can yeah. be helpful as well. Yeah. I definitely think that is a big part of it too. And I had mentioned it before, like Meredith and I were friends first and we competed together in CrossFit and we found friendship through something like that. And 
I've always highly respected you guys and have seen the comp the business that you've built from the ground up and um so much of it's backed by science that it's like how do you not like gravitate towards that no. um and have a friend who <laughs> who ha- who, <laughs> <laughs> who is a female understands the female body and you just it's easy to be open with somebody who you've become a friend with first um and I would say like we aren't super close friends right like if I had let's say I was a coach and I was like telling my best friend like okay I'm gonna be your nutrition coach they're gonna be like fuck you are I'm not gonna tell I'm not I'm gonna lie to you you know but like I have enough respect for you guys like I'm not gonna lie about what I'm doing you know um I also I I'm not a good liar and I hate lying I don't like being a bad person so um (laughs) it's hard to do that you know you Um, seem like you may have the worst poker face of all time (laughs) it I do I actually suck at poker too um I don't know if you guys know this but I worked in a casino I dealt blackjack no way so yeah so after 2015 you're just like like (laughs) ignore that i dealt i dealt blackjack so mainly just blackjack but others other games too not poker um that was before i got competitive with crossfit blackjack is 21 like right you want to get 21 on the cards um so yeah like i suck at poker like we play like for fun and i lose all the time as ben um so yeah but again going back to the friendship the respect um and just wanting to improve my life overall my wellness overall like that's motivating in itself and like that's kind of the whole yeah I'm working with you for performance but like you've done more than help me improve my performance you know you've helped me improve my quality of life um in just a couple little ways that you know snowball into bigger things so en- enough about Meredith. Um, <laughs> what have you ever struggled with like body image issues or anything like that? Like being a CrossFit athlete, being like transitioning from hockey to CrossFit. Um, yeah. Anything like that. Yeah. I know like that's kind of like a hot topic right now. Um, and yeah. obviously it's just like, you know, you are a, an elite athlete and I think people can sometimes look at elite athletes and they're like oh they've got their shit together but it's kind of coming out now and even in other sports like this is kind of like an unspoken thing like I'm not saying you know everyone has an eating disorder but I think there is a lot of like especially with females um, yeah body image issues I was just yeah. wondering what you what your experience has been with that um I definitely have had my fair share of body image issues being self-conscious um you know it's Back in college, I I wish I weighed what I weighed now in college. I weigh like one forty five ish, one forty three. I weighed one twenty five in college, and I don't. I look at myself now, and I'm like, how? I don't know where. Where would that weight? Like, how would I not have that weight on my body? If I look, if I try to do that now, I would look like skin and bones. <laughs> and and I'm sure a lot of it is muscle, right? Um, I've built a lot of muscle since then, but I. I wasn't aware of food and what it could do for you. And like, I was, I, social media is not big back then, but like you still have magazines and 
you know, 10 minutes and you have six pack abs and all that stuff. Like when you're younger and you're like, Oh my God, I need to do all these little things and I can look like that. Um, and also trying to teach myself about nutrition and just not seeing it from the right resources. Right. So I have definitely struggled with body image, especially more so back then. Like I was like, I'm going to run a ton and I ran a lot after college because I didn't know what else to do with myself. So I would run like seven miles a day, five to seven miles a day, multiple days a week. And I wouldn't eat much. And like looking back on that, I'm, you know, it, it blows my mind how my body was okay. Like you look back on those kinds of things. You're like, how the fuck did I not like, I would eat like a granola bar. Um, I would go to Chipotle and I would never get rice or, you know, cause you hear carbs are bad, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I would limit I feel like myself. your body can like manage that one time. Yeah. When you're younger, it's like, you can do it like once to your body and then like, it's really hard to do it again. Cause your body is like, even your brain, you're like, no, don't do yeah. that. And then I went through a pretty bad breakup in college and I was then living with just, just by myself and I could not manage that at all. And I, I fluctuate, like my weight went from 125 to almost 160 over a couple, like maybe two years or so. But like, that was a pretty big, um, I was very depressed at that point and I was living by myself and I eventually moved in with a friend of mine that I went to school with. She wasn't a hockey player. Um, but I was just so unhappy. And then I started, I stopped working out completely for a little while. And part of that is probably why I got so depressed. I just didn't have a routine. I would, I would wake up, I would go to work, I would go home and I would sit on the couch. And like, those are things that I've kind of put like so far back in my mind that I actually forget that they happened. Um, just because they were such like, you know, struggling times for myself. Um, and I didn't know anybody from CrossFit then that I know now, like the friends I have now, I didn't have any of them. And I was still living in Ohio at the time. And then I decided it was time that I moved home and I moved home. And one of the first couple weeks, uh, a friend of mine took me to CrossFit Vertex and was like, Hey, you should just come work out and took me there unannounced to the coach, to Kalina who is now one of my best friends. And she's like, what the, like, you're just going to bring this (laughs) random girl in who's never done CrossFit before. And so she actually like put me in part of the workout. And that was kind of when like, you know, being unhappy for a quite a long period of time started to turn around. And I started getting that fire back in about competing and um, filling a void essentially from hockey. And then I started really getting into nutrition more. So I would say getting into probably 2018. Um, I really tried to start dialing it in and learning more and learning more from coaches and, and things like that. Um, and then now I would say I probably have when I'm like my best relationship with food, uh, my best relationship with my body and letting, you know, every CrossFit athlete is different. You have those at the top who have these pristine bodies 
but then you also have others at the top who have average bodies and they are still so good at what they do that like their image has nothing to do with it you know I myself um like I and this isn't to like I'm not trying to I don't want to sound bad on anybody um I don't think that's the right word but like look at Kenzie Riley she is fit as hell and she just had a baby and her priority with her body is nurturing her baby and it's incredible the things that she has done and you would probably see her walking on the street and you'd be like she's just a mom like you wouldn't think that she is a CrossFit Games athlete and I love that I like watching her do the the online semifinal and just seeing her name up there like it blows my mind it still blows my mind to this day that she's so (laughs) fucking good I'm like yeah I can't stand you Kenzie but you are so good um but again looks average right like yeah yeah. but it's like with Kenzie what's interesting about her is that she um as fit as she is and like returning games athlete and even games athlete after just having a baby still is open with the fact that she is self-conscious or at least more so probably in the past about the way that her body is in comparison to other crossfits it was like i don't fit the my body doesn't look the part yeah even though i am like a you know however however many times games athlete and i'm fit as hell like i even for her it's like i don't look like tia or sam briggs or you know whoever and i think it's she's kind of one and like camille um was one they're kind of leading the pack in that like and even like what you just said like it doesn't matter what you look like anymore like what matters is what your body can do and you're seeing probably now more than ever this very variability in body type in crossfit and it's awesome and it's i think empowering younger girls who don't who look at you know are on instagram and see tia and they're like i don't look like that i can't be a games athlete well it's like no that's not the case because look at all the other girls Mm -hmm. out there it's like there's no one size fits all yeah that's definitely a really good point and especially for that younger group who isn't mature enough yet to realize that like others opinions don't matter about them yeah um Mm -hmm. like i look at olivia kerstetter like that girl is a phenom of an athlete and she to some might not fit the body type of a a tia or a sam briggs right but that girl is good And she's only going to get better and she's only going to mature into her body more. And what she looks like now, she might not look like that in a couple of years. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, She's so young. They're all babies. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember even, even, oh, sorry. It's okay. No, but like you said, like the, the variety, I think in the younger kids is I think it's more prevalent there too like you see a lot of different body types in our younger athletes and it's because some have hit puberty some haven't some are just you know bigger at their age and it is what it is um we actually have Gigi Sabatini who was a teenager from our gym who went to the games the same year as I went and now her younger sister Caroline Sabatini is just kind of getting onto the scene of competing um but Caroline is ahead of her in weight already, like in a, yeah. in a great way. Like she's 10 pounds ahead of her at the same age. And it's like, 
that's going to benefit Caroline because heavy barbells were always a weakness for Gigi or, you know, when a qualifier came up and Caroline has a little bit of a step up on that. And it's just the variety in bodies. You just, you don't know what you're going to get, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think it's like some, at some point, it's like some, someone decided there was like a look for CrossFit when really there's not. And that's, you know, yeah. when people say, well, I don't look like a CrossFit Games athlete. Well, who decided what a CrossFit Games athlete is supposed to look like? One of the right. best things about CrossFit is there's so many paths to the top. And that just allows for a lot of different um, types of athletes and body types and heights and weights and builds and all of these things. It allows for such a variety. Um, even like Tennille Reed, like you don't hear about her very much anymore, but she was one who, um, you know, you, can mail, you compare Tennille to Tia and she's built totally different. Um, but she's a, one of the best athletes of her time, mm-hmm. and it just, you know, there's there's no point in saying, well, I don't look like, you know, Tia. Well, you're not Tia. You're not going to look like Tia. You're going right. to look like you. You have athletes right. out there who are, like, 135, and then you have athletes that are, like, 165 or 170, mm-hmm. and they're all on the same floor, and that's what's great yeah. about it. Yeah, and I, like, I, I'm probably one of the smaller athletes now. Like, the mm-hmm. the... the the average weight has definitely increased, especially I would say for females. Um, and I would say if there's one thing that like I've really get self-conscious about and it's not necessarily self-conscious, but like I'll get out on the floor and I'm like, I'm small. Like I look real small, but like if, if being like the weaknesses, perceived weaknesses of being small are machines and weight, right? A Mm -hmm. barbell. I can't change my height for a machine, right? Like I can't, you know, get taller so I can row faster if, you know, if that's part of it. Um, but my weights are above average, especially for my weight. So yeah. like, yeah. I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. You know? Yep. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, I do, do wish, like, I do want to push more on, on machines, but I feel yeah. like I've gotten so much better just, you know being the size I am and just improving overall fitness. Some pe- sometimes people ask us if we're going to like come back into the sport because we haven't officially retired. Like I haven't sent, neither one of us has, have sent the, the email to HQ saying, take us out of the drug testing pool. We're retired. Yeah. So sometimes people ask and I'm like, well, I've, I've never been very strong and I am even less strong now. <laughs> well, you, I mean, that's your priorities change. Your goals change. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also, it's like, you know, the priorities change, strength kind of went down at the same time the, the sport has gone so much heavier and the girls are so much bigger that, um, yeah, just I think about trying to do the sport right now and I'm just like, I, I don't think that is smart Yeah, for me. And not like, again, not saying that like, I mean, we're kind of older in the sport now, right? We're in our 30s. You're in your 30s. I am 30. <laughs> Um, thank you for that clarification, (laughs) (laughs) but like the amount of stress it would put on your body to try to build up back to that kind of strength like that. That's a lot. Yeah. It's just a lot. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And it's a, it's a demanding schedule and we're, yeah, it's, it's been nice to kind of step away from it a little bit and I'm sure, you know, take the role of helping the people who we want to help and the sport get better. And that's almost as fulfilling so thank you for that i do have a serious question if i if i went back to university do you think i could fool everyone into thinking that i was 18 
probably. Is that a question for me or It's both. Well, eh, I don't know about 18. I would say like 20s, like early 20s. Like yeah. 21? 21. Yeah. Yeah. You'd get carded on legal okay. Legal age. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good to know. <laughs> that was the right answer? It was. I mean, there was no right answer, but if there were a right answer, that would have been it. Um, okay, so we are we ra- like to wrap these up with uh, some rapid fire questions. So, Gosh, are you ready? I don't, know if I'm ready? I don't know. It's gonna be great. I might. You're gonna do great. Like what's okay, rapid so fire? The way this what's works my... is I'm gonna say like a phrase or a, a sentence, and you're gonna fill in the blank. Okay. Super simple. Got it. Okay. Check it out. Um, okay. First one. It all comes down to how bad you want it. Uh, a good day is uh, a good day is when everything falls into place. My purpose, My purpose is impact people's lives through fitness. I'm gonna stick with that. Impact people's lives through fitness. I like it. <laughs> I believe that. What goes around I comes believe, around. Not you. Oh. I believe that. I also, I also believe that failure is a part of the process. That one was better than it's, yours. It's relevant. <laughs> uh, success, uh, success is winning. winning. Success is. Ooh, I'm gonna give two. Learning from your failures, and success is finding what you love. That one. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I didn't realize the peanut gallery was going <laughs> to chime in on this. All right. Uh, I am honored that you guys asked me to be on this podcast. That was a good answer. Best answer. Best one yet. <laughs> I was waiting for Alex to say, I am Alex Parker. <laughs> I was going to say awesome, but I got those lips sealed. <laughs> All right. Last one. Best one. Love is. Oh, gosh. Why is this the hardest one? Because it's the best one. Love is Ben Brucker for me. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) Okay, so for everyone out there, she's off the market. (laughs) Officially hard off. If you went to Naha, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen. off the market. (laughs) Although... For, like speaking of I'm gonna take this if back, I were to become I know... single you might <laughs> oh so, no, sorry. No, no. I know Kalina uh the owner of the gym also my best friend will watch this podcast with her husband and she will hear these comments about Naha and she go she's still lesbian to me I know it she still is you still are says it every day hey I did every I day did this wonder. comes up not that you send oh, off sure. certain vibes, but I was, you know, you always have to ask the question. I was dating Meredith at the time, so she was a little bit offended, but. <laughs> You're like, well, okay, hockey player, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> I'm not, a grade and so stereotypical of you. <laughs> but also, I hang out with a lot of lesbian, like, I have a lot of lesbian friends, right? Like, the best. I'm, I, you guys are awesome. I love hanging out with you guys. Kat and Meg love hanging out with them. Like you just find your tribe of people who you enjoy to spend time with. And oh gosh, they're lesbian. That that really, you know, what does that mean, right? Exactly. exactly. I mean, you guys like, are my some friends. Some people, it still means <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah. But not to me. Not the and, best people. Yeah. 
they suck cool love is yeah. not well done. thanks for this it's been really awesome um we Absolutely. enjoyed having you on you're one of our favorite people um you just like there's there's like an energy and an aura about you that i just wish that i could put in a bottle and like keep because it's thanks it's infectious so thanks i try yeah, she says that about i me don't try time. but i try <laughs> Um, if people no. wanted to find you on social media, how do they do that? It's um, AA Parks. <laughs> it is at page underscore Semenza. So it's my name with an underscore in the middle. Um, That's easy. Yeah. That's yeah. also mine. Uh, we have the same format. I know. I saw that. Yeah. I did notice yeah. did that. Did you get the other that day. from me or did I get that from you? <laughs> Who had it first? I don't know. I forget what mine was back then. I think it was. I think it was like Semenza.25 because that was like yeah. all of my accounts. And I just put I, it to that. And then I was like, I think hmm, mine used name. to be at Mare Bear. <laughs> yes. I remember that. I stalked that you a, back in 2016, too. Yeah, that was 2016. Like, who are these huh? athletes? Why are they so good? <laughs> who is that? Yeah, I also had a different name back then, but that's, that's true. a conversation for another time. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted yeah. to actually ask you guys, like, and I'm sure I would think of like other clients of yours are interested but like what's a, a normal week like for you guys like that's we're three question. hours apart so like yeah. Yeah. you're texting me it's 9 a.m for me so it's 6 a.m for you which is early yeah. as hell um, oh two we're two hours apart so seven. Oh, it's two yeah, yeah. Oh. we're on, we're like the fringe mountain time zone we're not quite the pacific okay. yeah gotcha but like it seems like you guys have a ton of work with tactic Meredith, you do some um, opt-ins on, like, morning chalk-up. And, yep. like, what else do you guys do? you guys do anything outside of that as far as work um, goes? Yeah, I mean, like, our, our weeks are pretty, regu- like, regimented. Like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are client-facing days. Um, like, every single day, the post that goes up on Tactic, um, usually. And then Tuesday... Tuesday, Wednesday is also the day that I write for morning chalk up and that goes up on Friday. Um, we do podcasts once or twice a week. So that's Tuesday, Thursday, usually, um, you know, kind of calls scattered, but our, like our work days are pretty full and they're pretty long, like probably eight to 10 hour days. And, um, we're training, we're still doing like, you know, one or two training sessions per day on most days. Right. Um, and then if we can, Thursday is kind of our ski day, mountain day, mountain bike day, if the weather is good for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice. we stay um, we stay pretty busy. Hey, Alex. Yeah. She's like, yeah. Alex, what's your what's your favorite part about your like your work schedule and your work itself? It I would say the best and worst part is that we can kind of pick it up and move it anywhere. So before the pandemic. Uh, we could take it to visit like we, I could go visit my family in North Carolina and no one would even know that I had traveled because everything is mobile. Um, but even now when we go on ski trips and things like, you know, the, the whole business goes with us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the downside of that is it's, it makes it a little more difficult to take vacation and actual time off. Um, so that's yeah, that's kind of the good and bad. But I think um, I don't know. We just we, we both really love it. And it's 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 really a passion project for us and it it was one of those we worked so hard for so long without really getting a lot out of it and um it's just it's kind of nice to see that work uh start to pay off and 
in more significant ways. Like we have a team of coaches who work for us and, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking to grow that team and it's like a, you know, our, our values as a, a business are really important and yeah, it's just been, we're both pretty obsessed with it. So yeah, that's awesome. I've always Alex, wondered. Um, I like that you're talking to people. It's, it's nice. Like it's different every day, but like, um, sometimes that's like not the most optimal if you're having like a really bad day and you're talking to people, it's like funny. Cause I'll be like on my phone, like so dead. Like yes, yesterday I was feeling so sick, but I was still doing client check-ins. And so I'm just like dying and it's like, can't let them know. LOL, like exclamation <laughs> point, like, you know, to, cause I need to be like positive and upbeat yeah. and like, you know, you don't want to be like, I feel like shit today when they ask you how you're doing. Um, so it's not like I lie to people, but there's definitely like, you kind of do have to be like on to some degree. Thankfully, most of the time it's check-ins. So you know, you can deliver messages. Yeah. I mean, it's, you get a better poker face because you are text messaging right but like Mm -hmm. it's just like coaching like you have to put in the energy and I always say that like people forget that like coaching is hard work like you're on your feet and you have to be on because essentially you're you're teaching them and you're keeping them safe but like it's customer service you know and it's you want them to be satisfied yeah so yeah I I get that but again you got a good poker face with the, the phone Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can at least set it down for a minute if you need a moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, that's cool. cool. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm.